Welcome to an enlightening podcast from IslamPodcasts.com. We encourage our listeners to please comment and let us know how we can grow in our knowledge to better serve our community. Please remind your family and friends to also visit IslamPodcasts.com for engaging discussions on current events, Islamic guidance, Quran, Tafsir, Sira, and much more. Bismillahir Rahmanir Rahim Alhamdulillahi Rabbil Alameen Wa Salatu Wa Salamu Ala Sayyidina Muhammad Wa Ala Alihi Wa Sahbihi Ajma'in Rabbi Shrahli Sadri Wa Yassiri Amri Wa Halul Uqdata Min Lisani Yafku Qawli Assalamu Alaikum Wa Rahmatullahi Wa Barakatuhu Dear brothers and sisters, Jazakumullahu Khairan for tuning in to this talk today. What if this is our last Ramadan? Over the last year and since last Ramadan, many brothers and sisters that I know or their loved ones, mothers or fathers, grandparents, a brother or a sister, a child or a cousin, have sadly passed away uh, from COVID or from other causes. Just before Ramadan, a dear sister that I've known for 20 years or so, uh, who I met when she was a teenager, just starting in her path in the Dawah for Islam, uh, she passed away and uh, leaving three young children. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala shower his infinite mercy upon all of our loved ones who have passed away. May Allah raise them amongst the Salihin and may he unite them with their loved ones in gentle Firdaus. Ameen Allahumma Ameen. And I'm sure many of you watching today have suffered or known similar loss over the last year, since last Ramadan. And if you have, may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala grant you sabr, may he ease your grief and may he unite you with your loved ones in Jannah. Ameen. However, such loss and such prevalence of death which surrounds us should surely focus the mind of the believer towards their own mortality, towards their own ajil, their own lifespan, which is coming to an end. That death approaches each one of us with every passing day, but not one of us knows when it will be. Death is like a visitor whose arrival we expect at any time, but we don't know when they will knock at our door. And when we open that door, will it be to eternal happiness or to misery? Well, that depends upon whether we've achieved the purpose for why we were put upon this earth. So as Muslims, it's only right that we take some time to reflect on this question. What, what if this is our last Ramadan? What if our time on this earth is fast running out, then how should we prepare ourselves for this visitor? How should we prepare ourselves for this journey to the Akhirah, to the hereafter? Of course, we would grasp every opportunity to maximize the rewards of the final few days of this blessed month of Ramadan, not taking one day, one hour, you know, one moment for granted. However, what I want to address today is that if this is our final Ramadan, then what kind of change do we want to create in our lives, make to our lives in this blessed month for the short time that we have left on this earth to prepare our houses for this visitor death and to stockpile our provisions of good deeds for, the, uh, for this journey to the Akhirah, inshallah. For the one who knows that their Akhirah can come at any time, must surely prepare for it as best as he or she can, inshallah. Recently, 
I've been reflecting a lot on this following verse of the Quran in Surah Al-Mu'minun, where Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, أَعُوذُ بِاللَّهِ مِنَ الشَّيْطَانِ الرَّجِيمِ بِسْمِ اللَّهِ الرَّحْمَنِ الرَّحِيمِ حَتَّى إِذَا جَاءَ أَحَدَهُمُ الْمَعْتُ قَالَ رَبِّ رَجِئُونَ لَأَلِّي أَعْمَلُوا صَالِحًا فِي مَا تَرَكْتُ كَلَّا إِنَّهَا كَلِمَةٌ هُوَ قَائِلُهَا وَمِنْ وَرَائِهِمْ بَرَزُخٌ إِلَى يَوْمِ يُبْعَثُونَ Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, Until when death comes to them, He says, O oh my Lord, send me back to life in order that I may do good in that which I left behind. Not that which I neglected. No, but it is a word that he speaks. And behind them is a partition, partition meaning the grave, until the day that they are raised up, the day of judgment. And the verse goes on. Then when the trumpet is blown, there will be no more kinship amongst them that day, nor will they ask of one another. Then those whose scales of good deeds are heavy, they are the successful. And those whose scale of good deeds are light, they are those who lose themselves. And in hell they will abide. And this is Surah Al-Mu'minun verses 99 to 103. This verse talks about regret. And there's no doubt that each one of us has many regrets in our life. You know, something that we wish we had never done. Something that we wish we had done differently. Perhaps an opportunity that we missed, that we wish we had taken advantage of at the time. But there can be no greater regret than failing to achieve what we were put upon this earth for. As human beings and as Muslims, failing to fulfill the purpose for why we were created. Regret for opportunities lost that can never be gained. Regret for time wasted that can never be relived in preparing for our journey beyond this world. Often we become so busy, you know, with our lives to reflect on this point, that the only surety that we have in life is death. And for sure one day we will stand in front of our Rabb and answer for each and every single one of our actions. As Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in Surah Al-Zalzalah, he says, Bismillahi Rahman Rahim, Faman Yamal Mithpala Dharatin Khairan Yara, Waman Yamal Mithpala Dharatin Sharan Yara. So whoever does an atom's weight of good will see it, and whoever does an atom's weight of evil shall also see it. So what state do we want to be in when our soul is taken? One of obedience and submission to our Rabb in all of his commands? Or one with deep regret in our hearts for the fact that we have been neglectful of his orders and wasted our time in this dunya? Saying those words in Surah Al-Mu'minun, Ya Allah, send me back so that I may do good by that which I neglected. But it's too late. It's too late. And what state do we want to be in? when we stand in front of our Rabb. The eminent scholar Ibn al-Jawzi rahimullah, he described how every soul is like a container that will carry the good deeds of the person on the day of judgment. So how will we meet Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala with an empty or a half empty container that we are ashamed of presenting to our Rabb because we wasted this life on this earth? 
or one inshallah that is full of good deeds hoping to exchange them for the rewards which are promised to those who have fulfilled their covenant with Allah by fulfilling the purpose for why they were created and what is the purpose for why Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala created us Allah, Allah says in the Quran in surah al-dariyat bismillahir rahman rahim wa ma khalaqtu jinna wal insa illa liya'budun I created man and jinn only to worship me and by worship it means to fulfill every obligation that Allah has prescribed to obey every order that he has commanded to adhere to every limit that he has ordained and to abstain from every prohibition that he has prohibited and in this month of Ramadan, where we spend our nights in prayer and recitation of Quran and doing dhikr and extra salah, there's a hadith which I think it's really important for us as Muslims to reflect upon of what it means to worship Allah correctly. Thauban reported that the Prophet ﷺ said, I certainly know people from my nation who will come on the day of resurrection with good deeds like the mountains of Tihama. But Allah will scatter them like dust. And Thauban said, O Messenger of Allah, describe them to us and tell us more, that we will not become like them. And the Prophet ﷺ said, They are your brothers and from your race, taking up worship at night, as you do, that they will be people who transgress, who violate the sacred limits of Allah when they are alone. alone. And this reported by Ibn Majah. Meaning, that these people, they do all of this ibadat, this salah, the extra salah and recitation and dhikr, like we do in Ramadan, but they transgress and they violate the limits and the laws of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So brothers and sisters, if this is to be our last Ramadan, then surely the first thing we need to do is get our houses in order for this visitor of death, fulfill the purpose for why we were created as human beings by ensuring that we have fulfilled all the commands and obligations of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and that we are living by all his limits. So for example, if we find it difficult to make our prayers regular at work or at university, college, then let's really strive to ensure that we get our prayers in order. If as sisters, for example, we're struggling to adopt the correct Islamic dress, the khimar and the jilbab, out of fear of how people may see us or treat us, then inshallah let's make a change to adopt the correct dress and fulfill this important obligation from Allah. If, for example, we're struggling to keep to the Islamic social limits of you know, mixing between men and women that Allah, Allah pro prohibit, prohibits at work or university, then let's make a change in this, inshallah. If our financial dealings are not according to Islam, if we're engaging in riba, if we have debt based upon riba, let's change this, inshallah. We get our houses in order. If we're not fulfilling our responsibilities and the rights of others, our, uh, our spouses, wives and husbands, or our parents, or our children, or others, then let's make a real effort to fulfill the rights that others have over us, the responsibilities that we have. If we have strained relationships, family ties or friendships that have broken, then let's make real effort to, uh, to mend and to repair 
these family bonds and these friendship bonds before it's too late, inshallah. And alongside all of this, let's make time to seek knowledge about our deen, which is also an important obligation in Islam. As is commanding the ma'roof, commanding what Allah has commanded, forbidding the munkar, forbidding the evil that Allah has forbidden, and carrying the dawah to implement Allah's laws upon this earth through establishing his system, the khilafah, in our Muslim lands, all of which is a vital obligation in Islam. Which brings me to my second point. And that is, yes, Allah created the human being with the purpose of worshipping him. But he created the Muslims, the Muslim ummah, with an additional purpose, which he describes in Surah Al-Baqarah, verse 143. He says, Thus we have made you the ummatun wasata, the just ummah, that you be witnesses over mankind, and that the messenger Muhammad be a witness over you. So Allah created the Muslim Ummah to be a witness over mankind with the deen of Islam, to deliver it to humanity by, by, in a manner by which it becomes the standard of right and wrong for mankind, in a manner where it becomes the basis by which they organize their affairs in all fields of life and where the light and justice of Islam touches the nations of the world. And this cannot be achieved without establishing Islam in authority in this world. And this cannot be achieved without establishing, the uh, implementing a state which implements the complete system and laws of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, which is the khilafah based upon the method of the prophethood. And this is an amana. This is a trust that Allah has placed in the hands of the Muslim ummah, the believers. It's our reason for existence as a Muslim ummah. To be witnesses over mankind with the deen of Islam. And today, to fulfill this amana, we must also fulfill this vital obligation of uh, carrying the dawah to establish the system of Allah, the khilafah upon this earth, which will deliver Islam to humanity. So on the day of judgment, when we are in the court of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, we will need to give proof to him that we did our utmost our utmost in word and deed to fulfill this role and this obligation to bring the leadership of Islam to mankind alongside all the other obligations that we have. So if this is our last Ramadan, then let's make sure that we are also fulfilling this vital obligation, carrying this vital dawah, not as a minor and marginal issue, you know, on the sidelines of our life, but with the care and the attention and the time and the effort that Allah has ordained for it as a central issue in our deen. Brothers and sisters, if this is our last Ramadan, are we ready to meet our Rabb, to stand in front of him, to answer his questions as to whether we fulfilled the purpose for why he created us? Did we achieve why he put us on this earth for as believers, as Muslims? Have we lived our lives according to his command? Did we work to shape this world according to what he has ordained? Or have we been negligent in any of this? 
Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in Surah Al-Ahzab verse 23, Among the believers are men who have been true to their covenant with Allah. Of them some have fulfilled their obligations and some of them are still waiting, but they have never changed their determination in the least. Are we among such believers who have been truthful to our promise to Allah? to worship Him alone, to obey Him alone, to be witnesses to His command, to make His word the highest in this world by ensuring that His laws and system is implemented upon this earth. As He describes in Surah Al-Nur 51, that the only statement of the true believers when they are called to Allah and His Messenger to judge between them is that they say, We hear and we obey. And these are the successful. So are we of those believers who deserve the protections, the mercy, the rewards of Allah? And in Ramadan, you know, we make extra du'ar for these protections, this mercy and these rewards in the Akhirah. We say, Ya Allah, grant us your shade, the shade of your arsh, the shade of your throne on your Qiyamah. But what have we done to deserve such a blessing? We say, Ya Allah, grant us the favor to drink from the Hawd al-Kawthar by the hand of our beloved Prophet But what have we done to earn such a great honor? We say, Ya Allah, ease my crossing of the Sirat bridge under which is the fire, the bridge, the hellfire, the bridge which is described as thinner than a single hair and as sharper than a sword. But are we living our lives according to the commands and limits of Allah that we're able to cross this bridge with ease by the mercy of Allah? We say, Ya Allah, forgive our sins and save us from the fire. But are we fulfilling the conditions for Allah to accept our repentance, which is making sincere effort to change our ways Sincere effort not to repeat our mistakes, change our actions from that which angers Allah, i.e. violating his prohibitions and failing to fulfill his obligations. And we say, Ya Allah, grant us genital thradaus, the highest level of Jannah. But what proof will we have on the day of judgment to offer him that we are worthy of this being our final abode, that we deserve to be the companions of those who are promised paradise, like the martyrs who died in the cause of Allah, like the one who accounted the tyrant ruler, commanded the ma'ruf, forbidden the munkar and was killed by him, who are promised paradise. Or the companions of the Prophet wasallam, like Zubair ibn al-Awam, Abdul Rahman ibn Awf, Sa'ad ibn Abi Waqas radiallahu anhum, who are from the Ashura Mubashara, who are also promised paradise. Do we deserve to be their companions? These were companions who we know struggled in the dawah for Islam to establish the first state based upon Islam in Medina, to spread the deen, struggled to spread the deen, sacrificing their wealth, their blood, their lives for this cause. Have we followed in their footsteps in exerting the same focus, the same sacrifice, the same efforts Sacrifice in terms of our time, our wealth, our interests to establish the system of Allah upon this earth. 
Are we deserving to be their companions in Jannah? Brothers and sisters, are we ready to take this journey to the Akhirah? If not, then this Ramadan, let's make sincere efforts to change our ways, to change our actions, inshallah, to prepare ourselves effectively for that visitor death who could be about to knock on our door at any time. Let's try to overcome the various obstacles which may be holding us back from making this change to our lives. And one of the main obstacles is the delusion of time. You know this idea that I have time to change. I'll get round to it later because I'm busy with my life. I'm still young. So I, you know, I can change later. So we delay and we delay and we delay doing those actions that Allah has asked from us. But this delusion that we have time is one of the greatest deceptions of shaitan, which we, we know is the master of deception. The Prophet ﷺ said to Abdullah bin Umar, he said, if you woke, awoke in the morning, do not speak to yourself of the evening, meaning do not think that you will live till the evening. And if you reach the evening, then do not speak to yourself of the morning. Take from your life for your death and from your health for your illness as you, O Abdullah, do not know what your name will be tomorrow. And this is reported in Bukhari. Meaning, we do not know what our situation will be tomorrow. Whether we will live to the morning, whether we will live to the evening. So take from our life for our death. Take from our health before we may fall ill. And delaying things in this way, delaying our actions and change in this way, it's like being in the most important exam in your life. And you have a limited time to finish this exam paper. But instead of putting pen to paper, we're relaxing back in our chair or we're uh, looking through the window, enjoying the view. And all the time, the clock is ticking towards the end of that exam. Just like, just in the same way that every day that passes is ticking towards the end of our lives, one day closer to our deaths. Imam Ghazali, rahimullah, he wrote in his book, The Remembrance of Death, he wrote, the most frequent cry of the dwellers in the fire is shall. You know this word shall, I'll, I, I'll, get, back, I'll, I'll get to it sometime. You know, I will do it, I shall do it. And he goes on to say, a woe they cry. No, a woe. The reason for their for their misery is because of shall. Because of this word shall, I'll get around to it. For the unfortunate procrastinator, not the one who delays their actions, is unaware that what induces him to postpone something today will still be with him tomorrow. And that it will, with the passage of time, grow in strength and firmness. I.e., what causes us to delay our actions today will most probably be with us tomorrow and it will probably grow in terms of strength with time. Another scholar said, do not attach your heart to the unknown and you don't depend upon tomorrow. For each stage of life, each stage of life has its own occupations, duties and surprises. I mean, we don't know what is round the corner in terms of what will take our time, what will take our energies and our health. So we should see every single day as a piece of gold, a piece of gold that we don't want to lose, an opportunity so precious in preparing our lives for the hereafter that we don't want to squander, 
but that is the greatest loss as we know. The classical scholar Hassan al-Basri, he said, there is not a new day that rises except that a caller calls out, O son of Adam, I am a new creation and a witness, a witness over your action. Hence, take your provision from me, i.e. take your deeds from me, your good deeds, use me wisely, for I shall never return to you until the day of judgment. So we cannot relive even a single day of our lives. But every day of our lives will be a witness either for us or against us on the day of judgment. How did we use it? How did we spend it? What did we do? So let's act more wisely with our time, inshallah, than our wealth and, and not waste it. Because time is actually more precious than wealth. Because time and how we spent it is the currency for how we buy the eternal rewards in the hereafter. Another obstacle that may be holding us back from making change to our lives or engaging in certain actions and obligations that Allah expects from us is fear. Fear of how people may see us, fear of how people may treat us, whether it's family or friends or colleagues or the society in which we live or the government and regimes under which we live as well. But the more that we remember death, and the more that we remember that we will be standing in front of our Rabb one day, and the more we reflect that our home before the next Ramadan may be the grave, this helps to dissipate. It helps to dissipate the fear of others because we realize what really matters in life, which is preparing for our hereafter. Remember the, the verse in Surah Al-Mu'minun that I recited regarding the Day of Judgment, where Allah says on that day, there should be no more kinship. People will not ask, one, for, ask of one another. Yeah, no more family ties, no more friendship ties on that day. Because on that day, the only concern that every single person will have, the only thing they'll be consumed with, terrified of, is what is my destiny? The Jannah or Jahannam? And we should ask ourselves that this person that whose response I fear and who is stopping me from fulfilling an obligation or a change in my life, are they also holding me back from Jannah and holding me back from earning that protection and the mercy and rewards of Allah in the Akhirah? Essentially, are they worth it? Are they worth me losing all of these things? And if we still fear the response from others, then remember the following beautiful words in this hadith narrated by Abdullah ibn Abbas radiallahu an. He said that one day I was riding behind the Prophet ﷺ when he said, O oh boy, I will instruct you in some matters. Be mindful of Allah, meaning fulfill the commands of Allah, and He will take care of you. Safeguard His rights, safeguard Allah's rights. I show obedience to Him, and you will find Him by your side. If you ask, ask of Allah alone. And if you need help, seek it from Allah alone. And remember that if all the people... All the people in the world gather to benefit you. They will not be able to benefit you except with that which Allah has ordained for you. And if all of the people gather to do you harm, they will not be able to afflict you with anything other than that which Allah has predestined for you. The pens have been lifted and the ink has dried up. It's reported by our Tirmidhi. So Allah's protection from all those that we fear. 
Allah's protection comes from being mindful of him, from fulfilling his commands, from safeguarding his limits. For the believer, for the believer, the only fear that belongs in the heart of the believer is, am I going to earn the anger of Allah? Am I going to lose the love of Allah? Am I going to miss out on the rewards of Allah? This is the fear that we should, should have in our hearts as believers. And a beautiful example of this is the story of the companion Abdullah ibn Hudafah. Abdullah was captured by the Romans during a battle and he was taken to the Christian king. And the king offered to release him on the condition that he leaves Islam and accepts Christianity. And Abdullah rejected the offer without a minute's hesitation and told the king that what he had in his deen was much be was better than what he had to offer. So then the king offered him half of his kingdom and his daughter's hand in marriage. And Abdullah replied, even if you give me all that you possess and all that the Arabs possess, I, you know, to make me give up the deen of Muhammad sallallahu for the blink of an eye. So you give me all of this, even to leave, you know, one part of Islam for a blink of an eye, I would not do it. So the king ordered for Abdullah to be hung and he put a, a rope around his neck. And before the rope was pulled, he asked his marksmen to shoot arrows at his hands in order to injure him. And even imagine this, imagine where Abdullah standing there with this rope around his neck about to be hung and injured by these arrows. The king repeated his offer to Abdullah, his offer of giving him this wealth, the offer of releasing him, his daughter's hand in marriage, all of this, and Abdullah still refused. Then the king ordered for a Muslim prisoner to be brought and to be thrown into a boiling pot of oil in front of Abdullah. And Abdullah saw this Muslim dying, his flesh, you know, melting in this cauldron. And at this point, again, the king invited Abdullah to leave his deen, but Abdullah refused. So then the king all ordered for Abdullah to be thrown into this same cauldron. And as he was brought near this inferno, his eyes started to well with tears. So Abdullah's eyes started to well with tears as he's brought towards this cauldron. And the king thought that he had broken him. He thought, yes, you know, I finally broken him and that Abdullah would no longer reject his offer. So he brought him in front of him again and offered him this. And Abdullah's reply was so beautiful. He said, it is not out of fear of death that makes me cry. I am only weeping because I have but one soul to be thrown in this pot for the sake of Allah. And I wish that I had as many souls of hairs on my body so that they may all receive this torture for the sake of Allah. Subhanallah. Subhanallah. May Allah make us of those who fear none but Allah. Those who fulfill all our obligations, fearing none but Allah. Those who do not leave one command because of the fear of others. And those who strive in the cause of Allah, fearing none but our Rabb. The final obstacle I wanted to discuss today, brothers and sisters, which may be holding us back from making a change to our lives, is the attachment and the distractions of this dunya. You know, prioritizing the things of this world rather than preparing for the hereafter. So our wealth, our jobs, our status, our studies, our interests, even our pleasures and our leisures. Such that they keep us away from fulfilling our obligations or that they occupy the bulk of our time and our concerns and our efforts and our dreams. 
rather than fulfilling the commands of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, including carrying the dawah to establish his system. If this is the case, brothers and sisters, then we should remember that this life is nothing but a bridge. It's a bridge to the hereafter. And would we build our homes on a bridge? Would we seek to cling on to a bridge? Would we, we be mesmerized and dazzled by a bridge when our real home and our real destination and the real treasures wait, are waiting on the other side? The scholar Hassan al-Basri, rahimullah, he said, What is this world? but a dream that a sleeper sees. He delights in it for a few moments and then he wakes up to face reality. This is exactly what this life is, brothers and sisters. It's like a dream that we may be dazzled for a while. When we wake up, we will wake up to face reality. Brothers and sisters, when we prioritize the things of this world, whether material possessions or material successes or status, we are really giving them more weight more importance than they deserve. We lose sight of what is really important. It's an example of these, dis these, these distorted mirrors. You get these, in the fairs here, you get these distorted mirrors that distort, you know, your image in those mirrors and make things look smaller or make things look bigger. And the capitalist societies in which we live and, the, and shaitan, they are like these distorted mirrors and basically make the things around us in this dunya look bigger and look more important and more glamorous than they really are. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in Surah Taha verse 131, He says, And strain not your eyes in longing for the things we have given for the enjoyment to various groups of them, meaning the disbelievers. The splendor of the life of this world. You know, we, we give them the splendor of the life of this world that we may test them thereby. But the provision, meaning the good reward in the hereafter of your Lord is better and more lasting. So Allah is saying, don't strain your eyes. Don't strain your eyes looking for the wealth and the pleasures of the world that we have given to the disbelievers as a test to them as well. And when is it that someone strains their eyes? Someone strains their eyes when you're looking at something which is small, something that is microscopic. So Allah is saying to us, raise your vision, raise your expectations. Don't settle for dust. Don't settle for something which is so small because what is waiting for you, for your Lord in the hereafter is so much better. Prophet ﷺ said that the space taken up in the hereafter, the space taken up in Jannah uh, by something as little as a whip of you, meaning, you know, like a stick in Jannah, that space that's taken up in Jannah is better than this whole world and what is on it. SubhanAllah. You know, the space taken up by a small stick in Jannah is better than this whole world, this whole dunya and everything that is on it. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala reminds us repeatedly in the Quran that the joys of this life is nothing but a fleeting, a temporary deceiving enjoyment. Do, therefore, do we really want to uh, risk sacrificing the amazing and eternal delights of paradise, where the obedient servant of Allah will be given everything that their heart deserves, that their heart desires, and more. Do we want to give up all of this, including, including the ultimate bliss of beholding our Rabb, of seeing our Rabb, inshallah? Do we want to give up all of this due to the fear of losing a few small temporary comforts and pleasures in this life? 
which keep us from fulfilling the duties to our Rabb, including carrying the, the da'wah to establish his deen, his system, the khilafah upon this earth. What greater loss can there be than this? SubhanAllah, what greater loss than buying the temporary and the minor joys of this life in exchange for eternal happiness? Because we know that whatever material things we love in this world, our wealth, our homes, our possessions, our status, our spouses, our children, our families, we know that all of this will come to an end. All of this we will lose one day. So do not choose that which ends over that which lasts. As the companion of the Prophet وسلم, Uthman bin Affan when reminds us, he reminds us of in his last khutbah that he gave in his life where he said that Allah gave you this world to request the Akhirah. Beautiful. He gave you this world simply to request the Akhirah. Yeah, not to cling on to, to ask Allah for the Akhirah, to use this world to request the Akhirah, to request Jannah, and did not give it to you to rely upon, to basically cling to. But this world, world ends, and the Akhirah is everlasting. So do not let that which ends make you disregardful or keep you busy from that which lasts. He says, choose to seek that which lasts over that which ends, for this world will be cut off and our return is to Allah. Dear brothers and sisters, I end this talk today with these words. That there is no second chance with life. No second chance. That we get one shot, one shot to fulfill the purpose for why we were created. One shot to protect ourselves from the fire and to prove to Allah that we are worthy to be dwellers of Jannah before the visitor of death comes knocking on our door. But while we still have breath in our bodies, we still have a chance to change our lives, our actions, and fulfill the obligations that Allah has placed upon us with the required effort, determination, and care that He subhanahu wa ta'ala expects from us. So that when we do open that door to that visitor, then inshallah it will be open to the, to open to eternal happiness. And may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala help all of us to achieve this ultimate success. Ameen. I end with this hadith from the companion of the Prophet وسلم, Ibn Masood He reported that the Messenger of Allah وسلم, said that the feet of any person shall not move from their place on the day of judgment until he or she has been asked about four things. Okay, so our feet will not move, you know, on the day of judgment until we're asked about four things. First of all, about his life, in, in which deeds did he spend it? How, what kind of deeds did he do in his life? About his youth, how he utilized it? About his wealth, how did he earn it? And how did he spend it? And about his knowledge, what did he do with it? Yeah, what did he do based upon it? It's reported by... Alhamdulillahi Rabbil Alameen Subhana Rabbika Rabbil Izzati Amma Yasifun Wa Salamu Al-Ala Al-Mursaleen Wa Alhamdulillahi Rabbil Alameen Assalamu Alaikum Wa Rahmatullahi Wa Barakatuhu Thank you for listening to this podcast Podcasts on current events Islamic guidance Quran Tafsir and Seerah are available at IslamPodcasts.com as well as on iTunes. 
Rate, review, and comment, and let us know how we can grow in our knowledge to better serve our community. Please subscribe, share, and tell a friend about IslamPodcast.com.